Um, I'm Jeff Tidball. I'm the COO of Atlas Games, so I'm involved in Unknown Armies in only the most uninteresting ways in that I am the guy ranting about the schedule or the budget or the distributors or whatever. Um, I was the line developer on Ars Magica way back in the day, and I've done a lot of board and cart design and uh, was involved more in kind of a project management basis on our Feng Shui 2 Kickstarter, but the goal was to kind of push that off into Cam's area on Unknown Armies 3, which has mostly been successful. So I have even less that is probably interesting to say. Colleen was the editor on the Unknown Armies project, and maybe we'll talk about editing first. Maybe. I don't know. What, what kinds of questions did you guys come to ask or to find out about or to... This is not safe. <laughs> the Jeff Tidball story. So, yeah. Well, we try to figure out where the hell everybody is at. It is insufficient, apparently, to send Greg three emails about where and when this thing is. I saw him in the hall today. He was here. And reminded... Oh, wait. I see him. Greg! He's here again. Greg! I just saw him go by. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're coming. <laughs> Look, I'm getting this spot by the outlet, just to be clear. Okay. Oh, God, you've got to get your power rocks off again now. <laughs> I knew more than zero people were interested we were in this. We were like, not all dead, because it was terrifying having an empty room. I didn't actually care if you were dead. <laughs> it's my job to care, right? So now Cam will introduce everyone who is not Colleen or I. Uh, I am Cam. Snuggles. This is Greg. Hi. That is John. Hey. We are together on the Nymeries 3 production team plus extra people. Is this the part where we're supposed to do that little dance and sing our theme song? No. Shh. Uh, I will form the head. Okay. <laughs> you will have to figure out which part Greg is. The zoo bat was interesting. The zoo bat. Uh, so yeah, sorry we were late uh, because we were not late. We were just somebody had place. the wrong room number that yeah. we followed. I assented to our being recorded. Yeah. Okay. So all of that was recorded. Is it still being recorded? Yes. So there's you know Is we'll, this we'll a robot. We'll pick up the oh where's Stolzy oh God only knows. <laughs> I hope we don't. Yeah, if we find him passed out in the bathroom or overdosed with a heroin needle in his arm, that would be pretty bad. But at least he got the writing done first. <laughs> How, how's, how's my? Uh, it's pretty much where yeah, where we'd be. How's my? How's my nephew impersonation? A little too deep. All right. <clears throat> Did you just assert that the writing was done? Also, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> writing's done. Sweet. How, how did you not tell true, them? Well, I know that we have a draft. They all know it's done. I know something was turned in, but is it done? What was that? I know something was turned in, but was it done? Oh, oh, done as opposed to being turned in? No, it's not true. <laughs> is it cool if we shut the doors back here? Oh, yeah, sure. now it's great. Thank yes, you. It is cool. <laughs> now, throw those phones off. Now that it's too late to keep me out, sure. <laughs> All right, so, so what's the topic of this forum? Um, I'm at the end so that here? I don't have to make these decisions, but I guess I have to anyway. This, the, the topic of the forum is what is Anonymous 3, what's coming up, why is it great? Uh, who uh, here was a Kickstarter backer for this project? Oh, Everyone. The good um, one. Okay, who is not? All right. So, uh, Get him! Yeah. <laughs> you all know what to do. 
There will be a significant charge if those two are gone. Okay, so the the, the thing is, uh, it makes sense then to talk about Kickstarter uh, production, how it's coming along, and what we plan to do releasing it and everything else, I guess, kind of. Well, we can start by saying that those of you who are not Kickstarter backers should be aware that you can now uh, do the pre-orders through BackerKit. Yep. And, uh, uh, and so you can go and you still have the right to give us money, which we're okay with. I'm going to try and just make that frictionless for you. If you would like to do that, you can go to the Kickstarter campaign page, and although it's shut down and everything says it's all done, we've got money, everything is fantastic, there's a a blue button over to the right next to the big Unknown Army's logo of the Ferris wheel thing, and it says pre-order now, pre-order open, or pre-orders live, or some kind of pre-order number. Click that, it'll take you to Backerkit, and Backerkit is where we have set up all of that stuff. So you can go there and you can click on a whole bunch of things that you would like to have, including old things that John put up there for funds, and then you hit the button and you pay for it, and then you'll get it when everyone else gets it back again, uh, which is uh, early next year. It's great. So, that's uh, done. We, we have many people, though, tell us that they wish they could have uh, backed it, and we say you still can get it. still effectively back it. Yeah. It's just it's like traveling in time. But only your money can go. <laughs> well, that was the Kickstarter fun part, right? You yes, that was the asking for money part. We so get that out of the way. Where are we at in the production process? Uh, that's a good question. Art's coming in. <laughs> you tell us the answer. Um, well, first of all, uh, my job on the project is the developer and project manager and everything else, managing uh, in terms of getting the books to press and have everyone happy. I also ran the Kickstarter, so if you had a problem with that, it was my fault. If you didn't have a problem with it, uh, it was someone else making it better for me. Um, but uh, let's say, what? who else? You know, they know what Colleen does, right? I don't know what you do. We may as well just all introduce ourselves. Okay. Uh, I'm the editor. Uh, I edit and proofread. I co-created the original version and was sort of, what would you say, lead writer? Yes. Head. Executive senior writer. Senior Executive senior. Oh, God, now I sound old. <laughs> you, you senior writers get fifty get a 50% bonus on your pens if you come in before 5 p.m. <laughs> Not nearly such a large discount. No. <laughs> I'm the president of Atlas, and uh, uh, so I've you know read various drafts along the way and, and had input and made annoying comments. Um, but mostly I push money around and do spreadsheets and things like that and growl at ideas that I find untenable. I introduced myself before you guys got here. But we didn't And you all know who I am, so... Yeah, you're a shifty one. I'm, I'm not sure who your identity is now. So uh, all of the art is in, all the art is not done. Not since you and the comp went into The three together. core books have been edited completely uh, by Colleen. They're very well better than they were before. Um, <laughs> in some cases, rearranged and hacked at and, and chopped off. And also, we decided to make them more kid-friendly, so <laughs> there's a lot of plushies now. and. Right. Uh, you can hold up book two, I think it is, to the, the world, and you can see things through it and capture them, but then they can capture you back. Uh, <laughs> that's a problem. So no, but you might not want to actually do that, or let le- not let ch- children do that. Book four, which is a bonus book that's coming out, and it will only be digital, uh, that is a book that was uh, funded through the Kickstarter as a stretch goal. Uh, Greg has finished and handed that in to me, and very soon Colleen will get it. And it will come back in an entirely different form. <laughs> <laughs> I, I initially uh, wrote it 
after the fashion of book three because I'm like, okay, I have a giant pile of disconnected ideas. How am I going to... Alphabetical. Everybody likes alphabets. The answer is no, they don't. <laughs> every, every, apparently everyone in New Zealand hates alphabets. Alphabets are bad in New Zealand. So I organized it more by... Um, Cuneiform. No, the uh, more by problems GMs might have and, uh, you know, avenues that might provide them some help. Uh, so a lot of the book is me recommending assorted uh, media properties that, you know, this may help your unknown armies. And, and so, also, if you live in his neighborhood, he has a list of the best takeout. It's very helpful. A common GM problem. No, it's not really in the book. Would you send that to me so I can put it in the book? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's going to be really boring. It's a lot of chairs. It'll go in the book as like a picture or something. Okay. Cool. We agree. Yeah, I know. I like it. It's a good idea. It's it's mod. See, this is how I contribute. (laughs) That'll kill some white space. Um, So there are, uh, you know, assorted sections on, uh, okay, I need help with antagonism. And so it's like, okay, well, here's a few antagonists that are interesting. And then here are, uh, you know, here's the movie Terribly Happy. And if you can make your antagonist as scary as the antagonist in Terribly Happy, you've succeeded. You've run a horror game. Good on you. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the other, because in my mind it's still alphabetized. I'm trying to yes. remember some of the other. In your uh, mind it also still called hit points. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. And also, I'd, I'd really like to go back to armor class negative 10. But um, you remember That's any of the other of a, categories? Of a character we could have, though, armor class negative 10. That would work. Two. Uh, on the nose? Yeah. Two in joke. Armor class two? Eh, Just play eh, mail on a shield. Eh. All right. No, no, but I'm, I'm, the book is full of media references. There's comic books, there's, there's movies, there's fiction. Uzumaki. And I tried not to get the really obvious stuff that everybody has seen. So, um, hey, who's, who's read Uzumaki? Oh, okay, yeah. So you get, the audience, man. See, so you guys know. <laughs> um, so it's got that. Uh, Intacto, of course, which... Uh, Big Machine by Victor Laval, which I read, and I was like, this is just... Yeah, this is the Unknown Army's novel, period. So... Uh, a lot of that, uh, you know. Did you write your own Unknown Armies novel before or after that? Both, actually. I, uh, you what? know, there's. <laughs> which, which version is the one that we gave away in the Kickstarter? The that's the, that's the one I wrote before I read Big Machine, and then I read Big Machine, and now I've got another Unknown Armies novel that I'm, you know, figuring right out what to do with. It's written in the second person. It's oh, fun. Yeah. So. I love it when you get artsy. <laughs> for for those of you listening to the recording, <laughs> he just he just he crawled his eyebrow into his hairline. <laughs> but you you told me you know like a year ago you're like no no and, and there's no commercial pro- possibility for an unknown army's novel you're on your own for that. Yeah, yeah. Re- <laughs> you remember that now, John? Was that before we did the Kickstarter? It was before we did the Kickstarter. <laughs> Is that time machine thing still working? So I've got a primer ready to go. All right. So, so it's book four, right? You can only well, your money. So, so, so first of all, in, in terms of uh, uh, sort of 
the the sequence of events on fulfilling things to people. Yes. Um, I was going to finish talking about the, the cool books that I am working on. Oh, yeah. Well, we're kind of into the add-on books, though. I mean, the base thing is right. the, the three books, which will yeah. be... Because these are the only things that are going to be okay. in print. Raise your hand if you haven't seen the preview text of the three books, the preview PDFs. Oh, we just... Uh, Oh, a few people haven't seen it. Okay, so you can get them since you're backers. Yes, um, they're there, um, and they're they are not fancy, but they contain a words on decent pages. decent version of the text. Um, the indecent one is what you will get in the end. Yeah, <laughs> we've been working hard. So, so uh, those three books will be going off to. Uh, the printer, um, and ultimately it will be what is getting fulfilled to people. So, um, in terms of our deliverables on this, we kind of have to break it down into physical items and electronic items. Um, so, and a lot of electronic items we want to all have done, um, but it's the physical stuff that has to get you know printed done and shipped first. and you know sent in containers overseas and so forth. So um, Those that is damn all now lazy out, molecules. Of, out of Greg's hands entirely. The the three books. Yeah. And uh, in the almost they all are layout, there are Thomas Martini's yeah. uh, right. hands for layout. Um, He's working on the layout. And so I expect that we will have. Uh, so the thing with the physical items is that <coughs> they generally need to consolidate them together for shipping purposes. Right. Um, there's a weird exception with the dice because in the United States the dice uh, would stop a package from going media mail. Um, which means that you which would... Which is wildly cheaper than the regular mails. Yes. So adding uh, uh, two ounces of dice would triple the shipping cost. Um, so it actually would be cheaper to ship the dice separately. So I'm I'm personally inclined to say, well, let's just send the dice off as soon as we get them. Yeah. Um, and also, we won't be able to sh- consolidate them with ones for European backers anyway. So we'll still have to send them from the United States. And the dice are just about ready to go to Q Workshop? Or yeah, are Q they, Workshop they been has sent scheduled in? them for about October, November. Okay, and so um, and then they because they're small and compact, I think that they'll probably send them to us air freight. So I would expect that we'll actually be sending dice out before the end of this year, uh, in all likelihood. The sets are going to be three colors, and two of each each set. Each uh, set, so we have six dice total. Yeah, there's red, purple, and blue. For the books, then um, we probably will want to distribute them as eBooks. Maybe even a short while before we send them to press, um, or have we decided that it will be somewhere near that, long before they come back from? China. There are two ways we can do this. We can distribute them out and say, "Hey, did you find any errors in them?" And then we can say, "Oh, you found some errors. Great, we'll fix those and print them." Which is or we way. could say, "Great, you found some errors. It, it will be coming back with those same errors." <laughs> um, and so we'd like you to to get to love them and, and accept them <laughs> in your lives yeah. before the boat comes from China. If well, I've learned anything from my years of watching I Love Lucy, I've learned that it is our perfections that make us lovable. Your perfections are imperfections. <laughs> that makes more sense. Thanks. <laughs> I was just and see, think. now you love me more for that little bobble. <laughs> Do you feel the love? Yeah. But no, we will be seeing the digital stuff. Well, out, like, once again, for those of you listening to the recording, <laughs> he did the eyebrow thing to indicate that he did not, in fact, feel the love. So you should have these really pretty gorgeous books in digital format before the year, year is out. This, this way. And uh, we should probably, you know, stress the uh, – one of the things that impressed me early in the process was that uh, they did not want the electronic versions to just be the afterthought where it's like, okay, well, you know, we'll take a picture of it and send it to your phone. No. 
they want it to be... <laughs> well, the, I liked that idea. <laughs> they wanted it to be the kind of layout where it's like, okay, it will look good on whatever you're reading it on. If you're reading it on your you know desktop computer, it will probably look pretty much exactly like the book. But if you're reading it on a smaller tablet, it will not be shrunken down into little Smurf-sized eye strain vision characters. Now, aesthetic standards have changed since the Kickstarter because of certain revolutionary changes in technology, and so we will still be adding the furry monsters that will randomly appear all over different pages, right? So, I do you have to make composed. another note for the people yes. at home? <laughs> what we mean by this is that it will be PDF and EPUB and Mobi is the plan. Right? So we'll have versions for different kind of readers or whatever. This is the first time we've ever done that. Yeah. For an RPG book, and yeah. so we're all like, oh, I hope it works." Yeah, but this, Thomas, this, also, Thomas is very confident, is a, and this is a non-trivial thing. So, most of the RPG books that we've released as eBooks, whether you're talking about the Feng Shui Kickstarter or all of our backlist, are really just PDF print files that have been made smaller and uh, you know with more video com- or more uh, image compression and stuff like that, so that they're more easily downloadable. But they're still laid out <coughs> as traditional paper books that you look at on a screen. Um, and we haven't done the switch to things like Mobi and, and uh, EPUB and uh, Kindle and whatnot because it it really requires a completely different design uh, approach to how text flows and how you have the ability to change the size of text for your reading preferences, things right. like that. And so in the case of Unknown Armies, we made the decision that we were going to commit to doing that at the start of the of the line for uh, for the core books so that they will be in those formats so that if you like to you you will genuinely be able to sit and, and look at your tablet at the table without necessarily having to do the oh what's that word say down there in the tiny sidebar yeah and uh, so it zooming around pages and better accessibility for the visually impaired is yeah, that'll know, be another big benefit huge but also you know and uh, Right along with that is your ability to read it the way you want to. So, uh, so yeah, I was excited about that. About the you know how how central we made that in the uh, yeah. the electronic file design. Yeah. When we first started getting uh, Thomas to work on the, the the layout template, we said we want a template for the PDF and the digital. You know, obviously for the, the press, but we want you to prepare a sample of what you would do if you made this EPUB and how we could have that work out. And he tried it a couple times and finally found one I think which he's happy with that we will use. So that is a very important thing. Doing this after all the other stuff had been done would have been a headache because he would have had to go back in there and pry out things and sort of mess things around. If, if possible at all. Yes. Yeah. Um, so like for example, if we were told, could you please go back and make other RPG books in the past, EPUB and Moby would be a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, possibly even impossible it's like building an amphibious vehicle, right? If it's you start exactly. out planning that this is going to be an amphibious vehicle, it's a lot easier than taking a boat and making it also a car, or taking a car and making it also a boat. So this will be an amphib. So these books will be amphibious, yeah. <laughs> and the the electronic files will be amphibious. So <laughs> if you're worried that you're going to drop your phone into some water, pull up the file really quick. And that'll protect it. The phone will die, but the file will <laughs> <laughs> the file will live on. So and then that and then that we uh, wait uh, the inordinate amount of time that is awesome for the printer to be done with the printing, and then we still sh- uh, aim at aiming at the, the April uh, next year, right? That is our drop That's dead our deadline. Drop dead deadline. I have optimism that it's possible, maybe earlier, but we make no promises. Yeah, they could be magically faster. 
but all of this is done so that it's back to us before Chinese New Year because then everything stops over in China. Chinese New Year. We should take questions. Yeah. Okay. Who's got a question? Come on. Before we take questions, so um, I, I had kind of derailed us off of the book four thing and stuff. Oh yes. So one of the, the things still making its way around. Also, yeah. One one of the things is that that where we're at in production is not necessarily where the fans and backers are at. So like you guys haven't seen the final layouts and stuff, but from the standpoint of Cam's world, well, from the standpoint of Greg's world, all this crap is done. He's over with it. Yeah. From the standpoint of Cam's world, uh, the stuff and layout is all done and and Colleen um, and over with. And so now they're wrestling with the book four and then the book five stuff. So there's still the things that are on our horizon uh, versus the things that are more or less put to bed is a little bit different. So now we're into those where we there are still writers producing things. Are, is there all book five in, for example? Uh, there is one writer who has not submitted what he needs to write for book five, and I will not mention his name. Did that, does that mean that he did not submit anything or just not what he, he needed? He's not to submitted it yet because he also has not seen his contract. Ah, yeah, okay. Um, so, no, then, but so, so t- but tell us more about what is going into book five. So book five is, is a bunch different from book four. That book four is all Greg all the time. Book five is no Greg, never time. Book five has no Greg whatsoever. But book five is also where people who backed at a patron level and said, I would like to have this thing in the game because it's not in the book that you guys have shared around for books one, two, three. I want uh, Pornomancy. Yes, we should have it back. And so we said, all right, we'll put it back in. So uh, the patron backers were able to n- name or nominate or otherwise suggest something to go into the game that was not already covered, and we hired people who were good people as opposed to people off the street yes. to come in and write. Bad people. The yes. one off the street still hasn't sent his contract in? Correct. That's that one is off the street. Book What's five. That? That's book five. Book five oh, is... Oh, the, yeah, the, the bad people. Oh, yes. Book six <laughs> bad people. It's, it's, that's the name. Book six bad, right? <laughs> um, the book six, books five, is, is all uh, freelancers writing uh, content that they like themselves, um, having uh, been fans of Unanimous for years themselves, and also these patron uh, things. And so the book is going to be chock full of new archetypes, uh, or revisited and redone mm-hmm. archetypes. Um and all the avatar stuff that goes with that. Also more uh, adepts and magic tools and that sort of thing. There is some interesting surprises in there. And what I want to do, I think I want to share that stuff once it's done as a final document, pre-editing maybe, or pre-whatever, after I mess with it, with everyone who's a backer so you can see what's coming uh, as a sort of dirty PDF that doesn't look like very much. The same with you. Yeah, well, and and let me hold forth a little bit, is that when you have a, a new edition of a game, there's always this sort of you always have to make this choice that's going to make some people happy or some other people happy and you can't exactly have both with your old fans and you know option 1 is it's going to be a cleaned up you know rules tweaked redecorated version of the old stuff and it will have you know dipsomancy and the you know the stuff you're used to and option B is we're going to put in a bunch of new things and leave out the old things. And so the people who are sort of traditionalist are like, yeah, you know, well, I want to have all this old stuff under the new rules. And the people who are kind of the non-traditionalists are like, why would I pay for Dipsomancy when I already bought it in first and second edition? And so I kind of skewed towards the production of new material uh, because I felt that after such a big pause... You know, the audience was sort of owed as much new stuff as I could 
could scare up. But he was this, paid by the word, <laughs> as was everyone else. Um, but book five, by the word. <laughs> book five, it looks like is going to be where we strike this balance. Where it's like, okay, we're going to go back and re-examine the old stuff, and you know, maybe look at it from a new angle. Uh, bring it in line with the new rules if that's necessary. Though I tried very, very hard yeah. to have this set up so that it would not be a colossal headache to take a second or first edition piece of material and run it with third edition rules. What's your favorite new thing that you oh, did? Oh man, my favorite new thing that I did. <sighs> why? Why did you spring that on me? I could have. Because I was curious. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure I know either. About this. It's helpful for us to actually have your tickets so Gen Con will love us more. So if you have mm. a ticket, I'll just like that. Okay, carry on. My favorite new thing. I kind of like Hunger Homes in, uh, in book four. But I don't know. Ordo Corpulentus is really fun. What's wrong with you? It's uh, you, you know, the artwork. It's just horrifying. The, it started. It started out as a throwaway joke in, or a throwaway line in second edition. Yeah. But I just kept thinking about it, and I'm like, oh, I need some new stuff for this. So I think that it's was topical now. <laughs> okay, it's modern hip. No, but um, I can it's... never tell if you're kidding or not. No, um, <laughs> it's because of his accent. Yeah, it's the accent. I'm, I'm impressed with the stuff that's new in the books because uh, it's it's one thing to, to come back and do something that is uh, new and different in a setting like Anonami's, but it's another thing to continue that same sense of really, sometimes subtle, but other times overt. Just what? You know, that kind of that disturbing <laughs> There's a lot of that disturbing stuff that comes in. And the one thing I did tell Greg for Book 4 is you could put anything you like in there. I am not going to police this whatsoever with anything. Uh, and I did do a lot of policing. Was like, was I, a policeman? I wasn't a bad cop. No, no you're fine. Yeah. I, I was the bad cop. John was the bad yeah. cop. I was the good cop. But book four is like Greg unleashed. Other than the alphabetical order, which we could not stand it. <laughs> that was a bridge too far, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> uh, so there is some... I mean, if you think that was bad, there's probably some stuff in there that you'll say, I'm going to put the book down and go away and have a hot shower and rethink my life and not... <laughs> But no, that, that's that's part of the whole appeal, I think, for some people, is that there are um, elements of Anganamis that they uh, are happy that was written by somebody else that they don't have to worry about anymore. Because <laughs> somebody needed to say those Someone things. Someone had to right. get it out. And, uh, now you know it's covered. You can pay attention to it. Like your racist uncle. Well, somebody had to say that. <laughs> Let's not make a slogan about that. <laughs> Unknown Lord armies. Well, the racist, un- that. the racist uncle of role playing game. <laughs> I'm just picturing you at home. Greg slumped, defeated. Yeah. <laughs> just picturing myself at home. That was the one thing I wanted this to not be. Question uh, in the back. Yeah. Questions. Yeah. I did not go through first edition, but I read through second edition and now third edition. I noticed that between second and third edition seemed to be a notable darkening of the setting. Second edition opened up with Nashtag having recently saved the world from destruction and was a large organization keeping track of things. Whereas in third, Nashtag had actually been basically dissolved, as has most of the organizations, leaving mostly chaos, despair, and the Ordo Corpulentus. 
think that there's a symbolic reason for that? Well, uh, the Ordo Corpulentus is, you know, not hardly a global, a globe-spanning conspiracy. And I think the reason for that is that, well, it goes back to the decision to have character generation be bolted very heavily onto local scene generation. Uh, for those of you who haven't read the new files, uh, the way it starts, it, in second edition and first edition, uh, a consistent problem people had with it was, you know, this is a really neat thing, but I don't know what it's for. I don't know what I do with this. I don't know what kind of story I tell in this. Everyone's nodding. I don't know what kind of story I should tell in this setting. And, uh, you know, and working with some other properties, it, you know, this, this, problem was brought into really dramatic relief because, you know, Delta Green, you know exactly what you're doing. It's like, we, you know, our whole raison d'etre is to stop these incursions of the unnatural. It's a very robust narrative structure. Or, you know, Vampire the Requiem. Okay, you know, we're vampires being bitchy to each other and trying to live forever without getting caught. And there's a lot of levers you can adjust in that, but... Everybody knows what a vampire is and everybody knows what a vampire does. But in Unknown Armies, it's all about these strange, freaky, anomalous people who are outside of the mainstream, who are broken and have broken away. And so I looked at that and I'm like, we really, I really don't want to get rid of that freedom. And, you know, that's the flip side of not having a solid structure is that you have, you know, it, it frees you. But I want to help people. I want to give them a lot more support in directing that freedom. And I want to give GMs a lot more support in how to respond to players saying, I want this story to be about this. So when you get together to generate characters, the very first thing you do as a group, before you have any idea uh, before you've put down anything about your your character on the sheet is what are we trying to do? What is the thing we want so badly that we will bite someone for it? What is society or the man or the universe or our families or whatever? You know, there is an impediment that between where we are and what we want. And our objective is to overcome that impediment and achieve this thing. And so you start with the objective, then you build characters who are pursuing that objective, and building out from that, you get you know the you know, your antagonists, your allies, the people you're not sure of, the locations you don't know what's going on with them, uh, and everything starts out pre-tied together. Uh, the GM no longer has to build this gigantic plot to try and entrap the, the player characters into it because instead it's like, okay, you know, tell me what you are, instead of here is what you could do, which of these do you want to do, A, B, or C, and the players always say F. Uh, instead you say, okay, what is it that you want? And then next session it's like, okay, here is, you know, you're trying to get what you want. Are you willing to pay this for it? How about this? How far will you go? 
So I, I think that there, there's something very interesting in that question, um, and and it might be overstating it to say that that second edition was all rainbows and fluffy bunnies. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm not sure that that there's necessarily a greater level of of cynicism or or darkness in third edition, but but I think that there is a certain there's something that I've noticed in 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 reading the manuscript and in working with this that there, that there is a kind of difference which really does go to the heart of what Greg is talking about, which is that when you look at second edition, um, you really have a, a a coherent universe. You have you have a a, 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 a kind of a meta narrative where although it's a game ostensibly of horror, um, there's actually a, a logic and an order to the universe that all fits together as a, a kind of a, a narrative background tapestry. And I think in some ways that that is a, a bad thing as a role-playing game because um, because there's a kind of an authoritative vision that, that it all fits together and uh, and and it's a little bit more scripted. It maybe maybe is more include your characters. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, or if it did, you had to work pretty hard to get them in. Yeah. So um, and, and and it was hard to work the characters in meaningfully yourselves unless you already knew all of that. And knowing all of that got rid of the sense of mystery and wonder and horror because you could be like, oh well, this is scary, but I understand that this is really what's going on with the pitteromancers and the freak and whatever. And so you know, no big deal. Kind of takes. It's like going into a lot of fan chat rooms about a movie be- right after its release, but before you've watched it and already gotten the postmortems on what's really going on uh, in you know in the the box in Pulp Fiction or whatever. Um, and then. Not that that's really solved. Anyway, um, so I think that, I mean, to me, something that is uh, darker about third edition is that there are, I think there are big questions that are really not answered. And it's, um, I mean, I still don't really, uh, maybe it's changed, but I still really don't understand what happened with the Compton the Freak. Something happened. Um, and one of the things that I found most engaging in the manuscript is all of those stories where you have these people who have this sense that there was an entirely different reality that has been erased. And uh, and it doesn't actually really tell you exactly how that happened or what happened or whether it completely makes sense. Um, but it invites all of us as players to create our own story, which may be completely incompatible with every other story of every other group of players interacting with that world. And and so suddenly that darkness is because you don't actually get to say, oh, but there's this big overarching cosmology that really makes sense out of it all, and so it's okay. You're going to have to figure that out yourself. The terror of Unknown Army's third edition is that the smartest guy in the room may be you. <laughs> you, may, you may be the most well-informed, well-equipped person to deal with this rain of blood-covered dis- Barbie heads that has fallen on the Walmart. It's there's there's no one else. There's, there's a party of brain that holds all the stuff, isn't there? It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's just shoot it out. I, I I skip lunch. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so <laughs> skipping lunch, bloody bobby heads. It's all good. It's all it's all part of the pattern. So that um, might not so to, to to nail that to nail that down to Barbie heads is that that that's where you was were that going? the answer Bloody you were looking for? <laughs> well, to yeah, nail yeah. that more verbally to your question is that if we're going to give every play group this opportunity to say we are you know to define the objective that the game is about. Now you don't need the big overarching world conspiracies. I, I learned this from watching uh, White Wolf burn down their global conspiracies for <laughs> Requiem, and I'm like, yes, 
burning that down was a good move. Maybe I should maybe I should learn from that and not reinvent the wheel. And that, you know, now you can have a greater local focus. And uh, that seems to work with the, uh, you know, greater local focus now feels more meaningful. And it feels like the characters are the important people where if they screwed it up, it's re- where if they screw it up, it's really screwed up. We made it really hard for you to be the canon police now. You can't go back and say, well, this thing in this book and this thing in this book, because in some places they're, they're not even, they, they contradict each other because it's not important for you to have to line them up. I mean, you can connect the dots yourself, which is part of the whole thing. You know, we want to include this character and this thing together. And in the books, so far from what I've read, they're not connected, but in our game, they will be. And, and that's just fine. But in some respects, third edition is the post apocalyptic game. And you're you're making something out of the ashes, as is everybody else. There are new new things around, and people are or are alternately, it's the one that has cleared away the major impediments to the player characters being the ones who drive the setting. Uh, you know, yeah. it's it, did you did you think the old world was that great? <laughs> because now everyone who had their thumbs on the scale is kind of reeling around saying, well, no, um, I know I'm not a terrorist, but the Department of Homeland Security doesn't seem nearly as confident in that. And, you know, it's really hard to move money around internationally now. And, oh, yeah, the guy who was leading us is now wearing shoe boxes or is now wearing Kleenex boxes on his feet all the time. That's, I'm not loving that. So the thing that was important to me was that early on we had to figure out what was the one-line elevator pitch slogan thing we could say. What's this game about? And so part of what that was fun for me because he just sort of pin Greg down and said, well, what the heck? <laughs> and then he'll say about 900 things and then you sort of No, say, no, 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 not Barbie heads. Yeah. No, Greg. <laughs> so that's where the, the... Something people can relate to. So the, the sentence, uh, Nami's is a, uh, an occult game uh, about broken people trying to fix the world, and that is kind of the, the shorthand of what we, we just said. Uh, you you are broken. Uh, the world is not how you want it to be. You want something different about it. And yeah. And one good thing about that phrase is there's different versions of the word fix. It has different connotations, and I always hear it with air quotes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is why I like that. Phrase. <laughs> We're going to fix the world like I fixed your dog at the veterinarian's. <laughs> More questions? Yes, sir. Um, what uh, prompted or inspired the linking the abilities to the, uh, to the stress gauges? Oh, that I ripped off from A Dirty World, which was a, a film noir game that I designed, and I just liked how it worked really well. And I was trying to figure out you know, what on the character sheet can I cut off and throw away and no one will really miss it. And the stats in the old game were, you know, okay, but no, they weren't really cool. No one was really enthusiastic about having, a, you know, a really buffed up soul stat. So I'm like, what if we get rid of these? What if we foreground the shock gauges more and have it really be that, okay, no... If you have been through some kind of emotional meat grinder where you now have five hard notches in isolation, where, you know, you were just that cut off for so long, you were, you know, I don't know. A game writer. 
<laughs> or I, I was going to say uh, adrift at sea, but yeah, that works too. Or a wood um, an angry hermit in a wood shop. Uh, <laughs> so, it, it, well, we're drifting again. But that, you know, this is not just this abstract thing that's going to come up the next time you have a shock. It's going to color some very fundamental ways that you interact with the world around you. And also, I wanted to have some basic stuff that everyone could do. Uh, in addition to the the specialized, tailored skills that everyone loves in Unknown Army. So I'm like, okay, everyone loves the do-it-yourself skills, so we're going to make those more of a big deal. Uh, you know, people are pretty interested in the shock gauges, so we'll make those more of a big deal. Uh, the stuff you need to have, but that's not really, really cool, like, you know, okay, your fitness ability, well, how well do I run? Uh, you know, how how well do I charm people? Let's find a way to, if you didn't care about it enough to have it in one of your do-it-yourself skills, let's tie it in with how your mental, uh, you know, your mental and emotional state of mind is is working. And now, if you know, if you really, really want to be a charming sociopath, you're going to have to have the, uh, you know, a, a specialized identity to do that. If you're just a sociopath and don't care about being charming, you are going to be extremely charmless. Which makes sense. I tried to tack everything up in a way that made sense. Um, a fun bonus for this was that it became really, really, really quick to make uh, GMCs. Because all you need to do is take the little shock meter and show where all the brakes are, and now you've got everything they can do that's not highly specialized. So you really do just draw five lines and you have a completely developed character. Yeah, I told Greg that I thought A Dirty World was his best design ever, and it's true. And I'm glad <laughs> Thank you. Incorporated that to this. More questions? Um, I know PCs by baseline have one hard notch and everything. Mm -hmm. Is it your intent to do that with NPCs? Can they have zero, like in the old days? Where no, I think everyone should have one. Because otherwise the skills get wonky. Yeah. And also, it's very hard to go through life and never have even a teeny tiny bad thing happen to you in one of those five categories. Everyone's seen Bambi, right? So that's the one virus type. Now, every, everyone's gotten pushed down in the sandbox at least once. Oh, oh, oh. that's two, right? Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, so everyone has, has experienced, you know, no matter how coddled and cosseted you were, you have at some point in your life experienced, uh, you know, isolation and helplessness and fear. That's pretty much from the day of birth. Yeah. I just got here and some giant man smacked me. <laughs> Next. Next question. It doesn't have to be unknown armies related. I mean, you know. Yep. Uh, he rose his hand first and then rose. He rise. He raised. I don't know, but we'll get back up here. Go. Now, you can, now you can see why they hired me to do the writing. So, okay. This is why we have it. Colleen can solve this problem. Can you give us an example of an outdated archetype, like something that replaced and what new one is? Oh, uh, I did not do any of those. All the archetypes I put into... Uh, 
that I wrote up and uh, that the freelancers wrote up for books one through three were new ones because again I'm like why do I want to retread the old uh, you know the old stuff um, in book five they're going to there revisit twelve new uh, revisited ones okay I don't even think there's anything that's like a new one there might be a couple of new ones okay I'm spacing on it right now one thing we do have, which is a completely optional thing, which you should not feel you have to use, but we think is kind of clever as a thing to go in book five, is uh, location archetypes. Yeah. Uh, like a place that's the, the diner, or this one is you know, the graveyard, whatever. Um, those are more like... Um, that is awesome. This is the first I've heard that. Yes, it's like the fifth location that has power, and it gets more the more it becomes iconic as that thing. Um, and... You know, I'm going to have to do some development work. I will share it with you and look at it. Okay. But we don't want it to be a thing where you say, well, then now we have to have them for everything or whatever. Like, that's some of the stuff in book five is like, take it or leave it. Um, we hope you take it and you... you We're fighting to it. control the world's most archetypal truck stop restroom. Right. <laughs> Anyone who's seen any of the stuff, the media that you talk about or read these things knows that there are things in there which just burn into your brain and they become part of it. But it's why... Uh, the game is so great that, that it's humans who are responsible for all this. It is not the place that's doing it. It's the people who have given it that power, basically. I've, I've made this, you know, Route 66 is, is the archetype for the... It's the mother road. So, yeah, it's, it's everything. So that's the kind of thing that you, you should expect from there. Um, the archetypes, as far as uh, actual, you know, invisible clergy that I have to... One of the... I think my favorite of the new ones is the star. Mm-hmm. I just like the, uh, you know... And it seems really relevant in this age in which attention is so commodified and fame is, you know, prized above, where fame is prized above, above dignity. I'm like, this is, you know, it's the, it's the time of the star. We needed this. Um, one of the ones I added in, um, in book four was sort of the idea of the patron, uh, of the arts or the muse. It's like no, I don't. I don't create things, but I enable things to be created. Yeah. And so it's if you get that combined with the artist archetype, they synergize in in fun ways. They're all messed up, by the way. I mean, you should not actually want to be these people. Oh, you could. No, you don't. It's not, it's not as damaging as being, uh, you know, an ab an an, ad, well, yes. an adept. The adepts are all. But don't forget that, that you live these lives to the exclusion of a whole lot of other activities, right? If you were only the I've try, I've always tried to make it so that the uh, the archetypes are morally agnostic. Yeah. Where it's like you know you don't have an archetype where you're like oh that's obviously the good one. And this other one is obviously the bad one. Like the healer, you would think, you know, oh, okay, this this person must be, you know, nice, and and they they kiss your boo boo, and it's terrific. But you know, one thing that we that I'm when I was going over that in second edition, I'm like, you have to cure bad people too. You can't pick and choose. You know, if you are if you are in one of these impartial positions, it's like no, you. You don't get to say, oh, I don't feel like being impartial today. Well, and you have to cauterize wounds. Yeah. So. And, you know. Sometimes you have to do things to people that they don't want you to because that's how to be healthy. Yep. Yep. So. 
since we're going to give this away now, oh no, you have a question. We should do that quick, yeah, and then we'll give this away. It's already done the issue related to something I was uh, wondered about. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did the name? Oh, because we couldn't think of a good title. Um, <laughs> there's, uh, there is a poem called "The Valley of the Black Pig," uh, which contains the line uh, "Countless unknown perishing armies." And in fact, I went on an extended "Valley of the Black Pig" yeah, riff in, the, in, in book three. Three, it's in three. Uh, yeah, the whole text of the poem's in there, right? Because like you remember it. Having read it several hundred times. Well, and and once you start reading about William Butler Yeats and the and you know what inspired him for Valley of the Black Pig, I'm like, well, this is great. I don't need to make anything up. This is just yeah. it's yeah. surprise. Once you start seeing it, it's everywhere. We'll put him back in his box later. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to go back in the box. But you shouldn't have come out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've we've got this thing that everyone has written on, and that's magnificent. And Greg's going to hold it now. No, nobody up here has written on it, it so you no, should okay. write something on it. All right. We did this for the first time last year with Feng Shui 2 when that came out, um, and it is to get those of you who came to tell us extremely short anecdotes about things that have happened in your historical Unknown Armies games. They are limited to 20 seconds. There will be a timer, and if you go over, you'll either be stopped or disqualified from winning or or whatever. Or it'll just be broken off. Or something like that. I don't know. Um, Yeah, you will only judge the first 20 seconds of it, so there is no sense in continuing to talk after that. Uh, These four will judge which one is the best, and that person will take home this thing that everyone here has written on. So who is first? Who has a magnificent or horrifying or some other... Yes, stand up and someone has a timer. I have a timer. Cam has a timer. He'll let you know when he's good and ready to time. And stop. Things in my house keep moving around, especially my car keys. It's kind of paranoid that maybe it was somebody else in my house, somebody in the closet or something. Not anything much of it. One night, I woke up to hear the sound of somebody moving downstairs. Terrified, I grabbed my baseball bat and went down. See myself with my own car keys. Stop. Perfect. All right. That is entry A. The doppelganger. Yes. Next. Next. Do not be afraid. Or are you all just going to give up this book to the car key gentleman? Yes. Here yes. we go. Let me know. And stop. So, while being driven out into the middle of the desert in Martha, Texas, to be executed by the sheriff and his deputy, something slammed into the squad car, and I was able to escape. Two sessions and two bostros later, I found out it was me that set myself free. <laughs> doppelganger too. Very good. All right, uh, we need. Do we need a third doppelganger story that we can make this? Up? <laughs> Stand up, here we go. What is it? <laughs> Um, Alright. So, a right. so, uh, group in Chicago trying to hunt down ghosts and eventually their own doppelgangers with their friends. Magic sensing erection. Well, magic <laughs> sensing erection is one of my favorite things that Greg has not written uh, is that I did write that. Album. Band, did write down. Band or album? Jeff? It's, a, it's, in, it's in one of the uh, Dirk Allen stories. That's right. Okay, anyway, that was 13 seconds. Do you want seven more? <laughs> Does it need seven more? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyone, anyone else? Who else has a story from your game? So for reasons that we don't need to go into, one of the characters was hanging over a 
that uh, filled with, I think it was laser sharks, and bees were getting ready to come in and attack the person who was hanging while a candle burned to drop it. The character saved them by cutting to a flashback, standing in front of it, brushing off, and someone saying, how did you do that? And her saying, I don't want to talk about it. Very good. Right. All right, do we have a fifth? Yes, ex machina. Yes. No, stop, we said go. In the 1950s, the uh, big mic bananas were taken off the market and replaced with the Cavendish banana. We were all told that some kind of virus or something took them out, but they were changing and uh, they had to take them off the market. <laughs> the last bit was the best part. <laughs> <laughs> they did not come out right. Um, well, so what do we have? Anyone else want to join in one last thing? Yes. Okay. Oh, two more. Oh, two more. Go ahead, my friend. All right, Mark first. Uh, corner night shift, not so bad. But last three weeks, everybody comes in, all the freckles are symmetric. <laughs> Symmetrical freckles. Yes. And in the back. Facebook is placed in a facial recognition thing in their pictures. And I start to notice, as my friend will post pictures of himself, I keep asking, do you want to tag yourself and highlight his face? Last week he messaged me, the ritual is nearly complete. All right. So now we're all going to vote on good. Are going to vote? What's our criteria? The Anything one you like or? best. <laughs> the one you like best. That's the worst. This is your favorite thing. The, the person who's taking the book home. <laughs> <laughs> and the circle is complete. All right, so write down. I won't. Uh, I didn't know. Okay. I got a pen. Um, so we had doppelganger. We'll dance for our amusement. Well, the- <laughs> Doppelganger A, B, C, symmetrical freckles, shuck and jive. Um, they came so out wrong. Part of your um, magic sensing penis direction. What was your one again? Yes. Uh, uh, laser sharks. Oh, and laser sharks. In the Deus Ex Machina flashback. Or cut forward, or whatever you call that. <laughs> How much time have we got? If someone opens that, just so the people who are coming to the next thing can notice. I kind of like the Facebook one too, actually. Yeah. What is it? Magic sensing erection. Really? (laughs) 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 Thank you. Like you did it. I did it. And that's number one. Thank you, everybody. Right, I expected it of you, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, Next up, we're doing the magic shoe panel also in here. No magic sensing erections in that, please. 